hello and welcome uh listeners viewers wherever you are locked in day noon night afternoon morning uh wherever you're listening from it is the end product podcast episode 81 as always joined by my sparring partner quinny we're back from injury quinny the two of us have had a had some weeks out haven't we with the with the flu i was knocked out really bad last week and you were the the week prior so it's actually nearly a month since we uh we jumped on last on the podcast yeah the last time uh, yeah it was just before the turn of the year we got the last little bit of end product in of 2023 and uh you know on that episode where we're talking about you know going into the new year like and you know what might happen and you know what had been quite good over the, the last year mm. as well as making reference to this mur- there was this little murmur back then and i was like i don't know where it's coming from but i don't like it and it was this little murmur that's been everywhere ever since about the bombing thresholds and everything else in between so that's not going to be on the agenda today as it's this no no i think we've we'll, if as anyone who does sort of consume content from the so rare stratosphere i think i think that's been done to death hasn't it quinny i think we spoke about it on your live stream a few weeks ago oh, yeah. in, in the kind of like injury uh, period that we were both uh, experiencing but yeah i think we, we kind of discussed it there I think we've it's been done, isn't it? I think we've got a few people in the chat also already agreeing with us that they're fed up of hearing about it. So, yeah, we'll we'll, we'll steer clear of that today, I think. And, uh, yeah, as per usual, let's kick things off, Quinny. Obviously, it's been a few weeks. Have you had any, uh, any end product in these kind of, like, strange winter months? Any Anything worth uh, reporting since we last spoke? Uh, well, there's been a few wins, actually. This little winter break of not have I've, I've maybe averaged about two or three lineups most game weeks. Maybe in a big game week, I've got four or five, if I'm mm. lucky. Um, but I've, yeah, I've had a little bits and pieces here and there. Uh, I finally got myself another super rare goalkeeper, which I've been speaking about in some other places as well, which has uh, opened up a fourth team for me at that level now. Uh, and, and the boy Mandanda. So that'll be cool. Dan Juma I won as well in that time. He's moving to Leon today. Feels like or tomorrow, maybe. Which is fun, uh, but nothing n- n- nothing major, nothing that exciting. In terms of the end product, I think the main thing that I was eager to get under the bonnet with, and especially get stuck into on the podcast today, is uh, obviously the new the new the, the new show in town is obviously rivals at the moment. So um, one thing I, I, I thought Stish, I, I would throw at you, obviously you can let us know about all your winter break end products as well. But uh, I did a I did a live, I did a rivals thing at the weekend where I tried to catch all the kind of prime time matches all at the one go, and it was quality. It was so much fun, like uh, watching games with all the chat. We've all got cards, we've all got teams, and yeah, we're mainly caring about the arenas and the win streaks because you're trying to get boxes on the go and everything else. Um, yeah. And yeah, there was some, you know, we're all challenging each other, and it's like, oh, I'm beating this guy, you know, this guy's beating everyone, or you know. We've seen the substitutes happen and all the rest of it. it really added a, a, another layer into the game week, which was good fun. Uh, and not, I, I got what I got the number one box, which I'm sure everyone's had by this point. Uh, yeah, yeah, tickets, doesn't it? That's uh, pretty much what I got. Yeah, I got tickets in mine as well, um, which is fine. I think, uh, I think the product's mostly for the onboarding, isn't it? Trying to get people involved, and I think, uh, in, in terms of like the more sort of casual users, it, it's quite easy to get to groups with. I think there's still a, quite a little bit of it that goes a little bit unexplained. Um, even for me, like someone who knows how to sort of find my way around the website, obviously whether you're using it on the app, I think it's designed mostly to be used on the app, isn't it? I think that's the point of it. But um, it is still a little bit clunky. Like I think for me, like in terms of like the user interface, 
the whole like my lineups and uh, lobby. I think they need to change the name from lobby and my lineups to like uh, upcoming game week and current game week because it's like that's basically what it is. Is like here's your here's your live scores and what's happened in the past and right now, and here's like getting ready for next week or the games that are upcoming and lobby and my lineups and then finding going into like pro or rivals and yeah match history all that kind of stuff it's a little bit but i'm sure you know these are things that they're lying out over time i think it's good to see the product up and running um feedback seems to be good there's a lot of engagement on social media a lot of the clubs um been posting about it. i don't know if you saw quinny but i've noticed a few uh reposts and bits and bobs on my twitter feed today from uh particularly the spanish club seems to be the case that they've kind of like they're launching it via like the La Liga partnership more than anywhere else at the moment. Keep seeing yeah. Thornelis France as well. I think it's meant to be in this kind of launch. Um, so I think one of them tweeted that maybe Nicholas or it might have been Dan or somebody, but I think somebody had mentioned it somewhere that this is like the like the rivals switch on that we've had in terms of all that mm. stuff. It's mainly aimed in the Spanish and like the French kind of spaces in that sense, which is cool. Look forward to it coming to the UK probably after our winter break finishes yeah. you know the premier league is kind of staggered scotland's totally away uh scotland comes back for cup games this weekend but it's not the same obviously for so 5 yeah uh, but might be something we see in a few weeks i think maybe for the more the, the uk side of things but yeah it's been good i think um been using it quite a bit through afcon um nice. just having to go like bit of bit of uh daytime action on on this so rare app it's always a bit of fun um but yeah do you know what i just realized i completely skipped I did have a bit of M product since we last spoke. Nice. I did actually man I managed to win All Star Rare Plus one week, and I, I picked up Joshua Kimmich. I don't think we've reported that. Oh, on yeah, the of course you did. Yeah, I remember that. that was, I'm just looking. I'm like, yeah, I don't think we spoke about that. But yeah, I had a big win. Uh, picked up a, a Joshua Kimmich in like a really random midweek um, where you know, like sometimes your lineup just hits. I think I only had like three lineups in, so I had like one good one but not i didn't expect to win but i thought you know that that could scrape its way into the cash prizes like the top 20 or something like that and um it just managed to hit and i got lucky with everyone else's re uh, results not really coming in how they might have hoped and um yeah one of joshua kimmich so like having one kane earlier in the season i've now got kimmich kane musiala and uh so the uh, the that was my conundrum in the last game week where we had um, quite a lot of fixtures on. Bayern had a big fixture, a good-looking fixture um, as well. And I thought, right, this is where I think for the first time I've really ever for me, where I've got like like a, a strong, like a stack of a team that like is dominant. You know, like not obviously you you've probably experienced this with with Celtic. At, you know, like in the in the SPFL fixtures, most of my sort of like collections or stacks that i've got are like little pairs or triples from you know like a mid-table team usually not one of the sort of dominant forces in their league so now i've got this sort of bayern um half stack at my disposal it was really interesting experiencing the sort of lineup building having that there knowing you know if you if you break it up does it make sense like does it make sense using musiala in u23 when you've got Kimmich and Kane that should probably be in champ or in all-star so I, I decided actually I'm going to go really strong in champ and I put the three of them in a team together in champ um, which did manage to win me a card this weekend I'll get to that in a minute however 
because they played first in the weekend, I think their fixture was the Friday. So it's one of the first games of the game week opening. It was really interesting to see the way that the league table straight away, you know, like even before kickoff, it's like you can see where you sit next to everyone else who's running a Bayern stack. And straight away, I'm like, you know, I've got Kane, Kimmich and Musiala. Musiala is like maxed out on XP. I think Kane's at about 10%. Kimmich is on about six because of the collection bonus, but first time I've used him. So I'm thinking, you know, I've got I've got probably like an okay, but a very expensive. That's not a cheap stack, right? As far as having Bayern cards, those are three of the main ones you want, right? Maybe Sané's another one you'd want at the moment. But as soon as the games are announced, I look at leaderboards and there is literally like 20 other Bayern like stacks or like partial stacks above me in the leaderboard so straight away before a ball's kicked i'm like it now it's it's hard for me to see a way to compete against other buy-in stacks with a buy-in stack so i've always thought you know like that that's kind of like why i like to mix my cards up and i've never really gone all out on the stacks maybe a defensive half and an attacking half sometimes i can do that depending on fixtures that kind of stuff but now it's like great i've got some really good cards some useful scorers but i'm not sure how useful they are against other collectors who have the big collection bonuses the you know the maxed out cards um i think my only kind of saving grace at the moment is i have got a cane and cane has a bit of a less a, a bit less of a large kind of um supply why so that was interesting because i'm it may, it's really putting a headache. It's giving me a headache at the minute, Quinny. And I don't know, obviously you must experience this on a weekly basis, thinking where's McBride put in his collection? Where's Because <laughs> there's so many Celtic collectors who might be playing Challenger, who might be playing All-Star. And uh, now I've found myself right in your shoes. I, can, I experienced it firsthand for the first time. It's a lovely uh, problem to have, but... Yeah, I mean, any any tips, any advice on like, what what's your thought process when you look at your lineups and you know you're going up against other collectors of that team? I think when it's like rares, it's a little bit different to the kind of boat I'm in with Celtic, but I suppose it does kind of scale in, in different ways. But I think ultimately you're just never going to be picking the best five guys. You know, like there's some Celtic stacks out there that will have players that's maybe less prevalent now. Obviously, Nicholas Kuhn's coming in. He's not got Celtic cards at the moment, but he does have cards. Um, so sometimes you'll have like stacks out there, and I've got scales at Aberdeen, you know, mm. in, in defense. And I originally had like a Yokohama Dyson and a Vissel Kobe Kyogo, there's still those cards floating around out there, if you get me. So, um, uh, it's more just about the best five in the team, you know. And with Bayern Munich, like part of the thing that normally is the appeal of those bigger teams, and sometimes Celtic is this team as well, is that seven guys break 70. Or 60 at least you know and then there's just less pressure on getting the combination correct yeah to get in amongst it but you still need to get the combination spot on if you're going to win something you know if you're going to really be the guy that's flying the flag like oh this team won five nil and look what i'm sitting on the leaderboard that person still nailed the five you know regardless but everyone else has got that cushion of oh well i had the left back rather than the center back and he scored 65 so that's okay even though the center back did 89 or whatever you know, so um, that's more the, the way to think of it, if that makes sense. It doesn't really change the 
you know, smashing this squad and, you know, making the most of it because you're looking for the two guys that get 100 and then the three other guys that get the 70s or you know, obviously one of them the goalkeeper is maybe almost unavoidable if you're doing the complete thing. Although I do, with my, like, I'll say this as well, by the way, my Celtic stack was way more successful before I got a Joe Hart into my gallery. Since I've had <laughs> Joe Hart, I've won less stuff. Like, that is irrefutable. When I yeah. have Skripsky or Soria or whatever, backing up my Celtic cards, I've normally done way better. So um, I'm 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 going to die on that hill, that you really don't need the goalkeepers to match defenders, if anything. And in a lot of cases, yeah. it's detrimental because you just make a, it's a poor decision, you know, sometimes. Anyway, Joe Hart's fine. He still won me some stuff, but point still stands um, on that one. So I would probably take a little bit of that pressure off yourself, mate, in terms of, you know, all these yeah. other factors that go into it. Because that's just more the cushion it gives everyone that backs that situation, not necessarily the exact five that you're running. Yeah. I'm just having a little look back at the um, the rankings from that week, just to kind of remind myself of what was in and around me and what was above. And I think looking at what finished in those top spots in the end in that game week were actually not stacks, you know. So even yeah. though at the beginning of the game week, it was like, oh, um, those stacks look better than mine. In the end, those that did run a full Bayern stack um, didn't actually end up finishing in those sort of like podium spots. You, it's still like a mixture. In, in, in the case of Champ Europe that week, uh, YNWA won with uh, Donnarumma, uh, goalkeeper, Grimaldo, Cruz, Rodrigo and um, Mbappe. So a bit of a mix there, three different fixtures to worry about. And I think, um, yeah, I mean, I, I, the noise is always about stacks, isn't it? Because I think the thing, the beauty of stacks is it's less research, isn't it? It's like, all right, if you kind of like get used to uh, watching a team, you know, you kind of know who's going to play where, you know what kind of fixture. Like for me, I've got quite a few Leverkusen cards and I think we've spoken about it before. Like for me, the it's normally like, whether, whether or not do I think Frimpong is going to have a high scoring game this game usually is the like because he's the he's one of those like he's one of those players whose AA can really fluctuate obviously based on Jules one usually because he's a defensive card if they're going to keep a clean sheet or not is another factor but you know he's going to get in those final thirds he's going to he's going to make uh chances he's probably going to have shots on goal so he's in the he's in the mix for a decisive um, always um in any fixture I think but it's more about obviously this weekend coming. I think they got Leipzig, and my thinking is he might not get as high up the pitch in this game as he's allowed usually. But you know he's been playing more of a, a forward role than a defensive role in that team this season. So those are the kind of things I think when I look at like a, a Leverkusen. And I guess like if you're if you are a stack player, these are it depends. Doesn't matter what team you're stacking. That's that's your kind of thought process, isn't it? I guess, and I mean, it must. It probably is actually pretty rare that a full stack does win. I know people think that they yeah. win loads, but they 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 don't often finish top, do they? And if they do, you know, the top five places will be all people who've played the same stack, and the only difference will be the collection bonus or the XP or something like that. I think someone posted in the week. Um, obviously, there was only. Uh, was it one Euro, one champ Euro fixture in the midweek this week, which was uh, Juventus and Sassuolo? And I think the limited um, champ Euro, the top five teams in it were all exactly the same lineup. The only difference was the XP. So oh, wow. the top player was like a top Juventus collector um, on the platform. And, you know, that just goes to show why the collection bonus is actually important 
as we get more and more users running pretty much the same teams, um, you know, as the supply is, is what it is. And you can go out and get the players that you want at the moment because this, it, it's, it's fairly easy. But, um, but yeah, like we've got Nanzo in the chat and he's obviously well experienced in this kind of thing as well. And he says, um, and I'd agree with this, that stacks shine when there aren't many fixtures. Yeah. Um, you know, you only, you only have to be on the right side of like a, of one fixture if there's like four, right? So in this case, this week, we had one Champ Euro fixture. You just have to pick the winner. And if you've got the stack of that team, you're laughing, aren't you? And um, yeah, I think the only time I've ever experienced that was with a random Velez fixture. Which I ran. I didn't even run it in Champ America, but I think I had like four starters in Velez who ended up putting me in the rewards in All Star. But I would agree with that. I think that's when it that's when it comes in. Like if you've got a full fixture list, as you look, as you see, like that weekend where everything starts to open up after Christmas, definitely looking at Champ Euro, which was actually a really high scoring week as well. I managed to I managed to pull in four hundred and seventy six points last week. Nice. And I finished fourteenth. <laughs> you know, like there's two scores over five hundred in in the podium last week. So, um, very high scoring uh, game week. But but that managed to win me a tier two. And I, you know, on the subject of dud rewards and stuff like that, we always want to be kind of like missing one of those DMPs at the moment, didn't we? And I, I think I got really lucky again this week. I managed to pick up a Ruben Diaz as the reward, and. Um, I was really happy with that as a reward. I think Ruben Diaz is a great card to have. Um, but again, you know, you're playing pet roulette comes into play, doesn't it? A little bit. But um, yeah, I was happy with that one. And uh, yeah, on the subject of end product, I also managed to pick up another FC Saul reward in the U23 pool. Uh, Kang Seong Jin, who should have probably had a better season last season, found himself out of favour a little bit. But yeah, looking forward to seeing them next year next season um and i'll be in seoul i'm gonna miss the kickoff though the k-league fixtures will come out quinny and they're going to be kicking things off the first weekend of march and i'm going to be oh. out there the weekend prior so I'm not sure if i'm going to get any k-league action in while i'm in there south korea sadly that's gotten so close as well for such a long journey i know man i'm definitely gutted but um, i haven't had a look but maybe there's some fix maybe maybe there's a friendly maybe there's a cup fixture that, that weekend or something um yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm gonna have a little look but um yeah on on the briefly on the subject of uh korean football i know we got a lot of uh osmar fans in the chat as always and uh we spoke of him on the podcast a few weeks back when he left and was expected to move to uh malaysia wasn't he well, he's yeah. only gone and signed for uh, the local rivals, Seoul Eland. So oh, he's wow. staying in Seoul, but he's playing for a team in the second tier instead, which is mm. not any better. Unthinkable. But yeah. uh, maybe I'll maybe maybe I'll get to see Osmar in the flat. Hopefully that maybe if they kick their fixtures off a weekend, that'd be cool. I might be able to go and do that. But yeah, I mean that'd be that would be nice. Get a bit of that. that. That'd be like it'd be a proper so rare experience during the trip. Yeah, maybe. Um, yeah, looking forward to that. But other than that, I've got a bit of China. Maybe, maybe I don't think we've got Chinese Super League for a few months yet. So, yeah, I'm not, I'm not, my hopes are not high for seeing any football on this trip, sadly. Fair enough. Yeah, well, I think um, going into the weekends at the moment when, <clears throat> like, it is like this, that's a kind of common theme, isn't it? <laughs> hopes are not high very yeah. regularly this time of year. So, at least it's fitting. <laughs> yeah. 
Absolutely. Well, we're looking forward to quite a lot of the leagues starting to open back up, aren't we? And I don't know about you, but I've been kind of getting ahead of myself on the lineup builder just to sort of see as and when things come available, especially when I'm looking at um, my super air options. You mentioned earlier that you managed to win another goalkeeper, um, which has opened up another super air option for you. Are you going to be strength strengthening in like your kind of super air collection now that you've got that that extra opening there with a the goalkeeper? So no, I think this is like a good, um, probably a, a good thing to talk about. Because I, I know you've went through this in different ways, um, like through you built, you know, building your Surrey club, and it's been a while since I've been in this kind of situation. But like, when you're building your squad out, like as you know, when you're trying to compete to number one bag thresholds on the regular, because that's like base camp. The first thing that you want your club to be able to do is have a competitive two forty lineup, and then from there, you try and get some superstars, you try and get some captains, you try and get some guys that can be something and then you find what division you want to go and kind of compete in from there but as you're doing that the ideal thing is you're bulking your squad up so you've got options you've got different leagues covered for fixtures or when they're all playing you've got options so you can pick the best guy each week ideally or whatever and generally you'll accumulate that depth in outfield way faster than in goals and normally like i've kind of used like the goalkeeper is almost like the gatekeeper for what divisions I'm playing, how many divisions I'm playing, what level of divisions am I playing, etc. So, like previously, when my gallery was a lot bigger in terms of the headcount, if I wanted to get a lot of ETH quickly, I would just sell a goalkeeper or something like that. Like, you could just do that. They're very liquid. People always pay good money for them relative to the market. And then, but sometimes I would do that deliberately, knowing that, oh, if I sell this guy, then it means I can't play champion asia anymore and i can't play champion america anymore um but then what i've always told myself is then the knock-on effect is then all those cards now go into all-star now we have get cap modes that are available uh, that kind of thing so it yeah. should strengthen other areas by removing that kind of gatekeeper element so i'm kind of on the reverse of that now when i'm starting to build the club back up again over the last six to seven months and especially with the blue cards the, the supers the outfield has been getting broaded out. Like I've kind of got myself into this Girona collection by, yep. by you know, whatever, as well as all the other ones. I've just managed to accumulate Celtic cards or Spanish ones. I've got hundreds of Spanish cards, you know, whatever. Uh, a few Premier League guys as well when, when they come on board. So I've been building that outfield. And a lot of the time when I've been building that outfield, the depth has been great to see the numbers going up. But the quality and depth, because of when I need to buy guys, I need to buy guys when their L15 is orange or yellow or when yeah. they are injured or when i think they're still a player and no one else thinks they're a player anymore it's time to do it uh -huh. <laughs> but i'm building depth of kind of at the time quite poor quality or questionable and mm. then it's like oh well that guy's on form so i've got one guy happening and then can i surround him with some other pieces and make the most of it fortunately now just the way some things have shaken out some of the guys that have been in the background are kind of coming back from injury or had a good season so far or whatever but because that depth has been there i've always got a lot of pressure on what cards do I actually pick this week? And the combinations have been tough for me to, to nail down. And that's the perfect time to add a goalkeeper. That's the perfect time to try a new division with what you've maybe got already. Because a lot of your cards are going to be eligible for more than one thing. And in most cases, probably three things, you know, if their, if their cap isn't like 65 or 70 or something, you know, um, if that makes sense. So uh, it's a, it's a, it's really kind of opened the door for me. It doesn't force me to buy anything else, if you know what I mean, because organically I've just had that need of, I've actually got another full complement of players I could throw out, you know? So 
it's a it's a kind of it's, it's a fun time for my club FC Barcelona in that sense where we're kind of it's growing the depth is now kind of coming to the top and these guys are playing and I'm under pressure to use these cards or you know I'm not really tempted to sell any of them even though they're kind of mm. active and playing and I probably could sell some of them and turn that into something else but like I've kind of mentioned as well on content quite a wee bit recently is like with so rare a big part of it for me is like it's these players I'm buying like. You can have that extra level of so rare of like, oh, it's this exact card, which I kind of like as well. But for the most part, with my fantasy teams, it's like this player is who I'm backing right. throughout playing so rare. I'm going to own this card for however long. So I don't really give myself that pressure to sell if I've got an active player that I'm not utilizing, which I know a lot of people do. But um, it means then when you're in that position, when that goalkeeper does fall into your lap, all of a sudden, boom, you know, and our team's up and running. Yeah, I managed to win another goalkeeper actually in the week. Um, you love winning goalkeepers, but so you're, you're on the opposite end of the scale from me. Oh, where <laughs> you just get goalkeepers as collateral constantly, I'd, you know. I would absolutely love to win a super rare keeper that, that I could use. I could definitely do with a few options there at the moment. I've been uh, struggling um, to figure out what to do. I, I think this weekend's the first weekend I've had two options um, in super rare goalkeeper for a long time. Um so, yeah, it's opened up All-Star. I haven't been able to play All-Star Super Rare for a while because I've been making sure that I kind of get those uh, thresholds in instead. And, um, yeah, I've been kind of like keeping eye, an eye on the market. I've, I've put bids in a few times on Super Rare Keepers, but I've been outbid on all of them. And I'm like, you know, I'm kind of – I'm trying to stay strict with what I want to spend on. And that's that goes across any scarcity as well. Like, I'm looking at the price. I'm looking at the trend. I'm looking at the fixtures upcoming and I kind of pick my price. And I'm like, that's my max bid. If it gets outbid, I'm not going back in and I don't look at it. Whereas I I used I used to get sucked into like uh, bidding wars for a card. And I'm really, I've been much better in the last few months at just avoiding that. Um, but obviously I've, I've had some really good wins as well. So I've been able to um, strengthen my gallery massively through, through tournament wins. Um, which is, I think I'm in a position now that I've been trying to play myself into this position for, since I started the game, really. Like when I first came in, it was all about U23, trying to have cards that I can use for like 10 years and stuff like that. And now it's like, I, I'm i looking at how many lineups I can get that I genuinely think can push into like the top 20, maybe. And I've got, I, I've got at least five, lineups i think most weekends now where i'm like that could do that could do a top 20 you know um you know, i'm putting things that are like really strong always going really strong into all-star rare rare plus um and currently champ i think you know having the cash prizes there is like the, the carrot in front of um in front of me to kind of like try and try and hit the hit, hit a cash spot if you can and put a really strong lineup in if if my super airs aren't absolutely smashing then they go into the cat modes in super rare before they go into like rare pro or rare plus or whatever we call it now. So, um, and I think that that strategy is working for me in the sense that it might not mean that I win the sort I'm not like maybe like podium threatening every week, but I have been lucky and I've, I've had a few where I've managed to scrape into those podiums. So you only need a couple of them, don't you? And it kind of like solidifies, you get your team going, get you, get your rewards um back back in the mix um and yeah i haven't sold too many rewards because i think the ones i did sell were like those goalkeepers that felt like they were excess 
over what I needed. Um, and I think one of the sales that comes to mind was Vandervoort. Um, I sold a Vandervoort reward, didn't I, about three months ago, something like that, with the intention of replacing him with another U23 goalkeeper because everything was looking a bit thin. Um, once Vandervoort moves next season to Leipzig, we don't know, even know if he's going to be a starter. I think he probably will be, but um, yeah, like... I'm looking a bit uncertain for U23 goalkeepers, or at least I was. Anyway, since that's happened, and this is another thing I think where it's really important to have that patience. And, you know, I've found myself in a position now where Maduka Okoye has managed to, like, find his way into the starting lineup in the Udinese. So I've got another U23 option right now who I didn't have, and, and it was unforeseeable that he would be of any use to me at the time. But also news we've mentioned just off off air which i don't know how many people are familiar with now but we've spoken a lot about tanny haven't we on the podcast yeah. we're tanny holders he's obviously got to move back um to japan he's going to be playing for the newly promoted makita zelvia next season um so straight now you know like from the time i won that vandervoort and i'm like oh i don't actually know what my u23 options are for next season in terms of rare it now looks like i may have vandervoort okoye uh tanny and obviously i've got chris brady super rare i've got a tanny super rare i've got bake jong bum who signed a new contract extension super rare so that patience paid off in the sense that i could have easily gone out and spent out at the time i was looking at maybe like chevalier or uh, trubin who were going to cost me you know in excess in excess of a thousand pounds for a rare and now that potentially would have been overkill I, they would have probably been more solid options, obviously, than what I've got, a little bit more cemented. But I've got a very good chance of next season going in with multiple options at U23. However, the next point I wanted to make, um, I think that obviously we discussed on the podcast in the last few episodes about those kind of like DMPs in the pool, blah, blah, blah. People getting disappointed with the rewards. Um, I know, I'm pretty sure I've seen Nanzo talk about this, Baz, or a few of, of, the, of the other big accounts, um, bringing light to the fact that that U23 pool is still a little bit of an outlier. I think that the U23 prize pool, in particularly in like Super Rare, but also in Rare Plus, there's a lot of outliers in there, isn't there? There's a lot of dodgy rewards still. And it's kind of putting me off, like bolstering my options in U23. I don't know if at the moment it's worth paying that kind of extra that you pay for that U23 utility that we used to see. It used to be almost like 20, 30% more. And then, you know, next season that when they go to 24, then they're not half the price they were. But yeah, I don't know about you, Quinny, but are you looking at U23 as like a viable route of entry at the moment in terms of like where you're putting your cards? Because at the moment for someone who does have a strong U23 gallery and was, I considered myself maybe last season as like U23 was my core place in like my lineup builder. Now it's so far down my pecking order. And that's only because there just seems to be so many dodgy rewards getting out, DMP goalkeepers, that kind of thing. Like, yeah, you know, I've got a lot of them anyway. I don't need any more DMP goalkeepers that I'm waiting to come good. I've got dozens of them in U23. I don't need to win any. Um, and it's put me off a little bit. I don't know about you. Well, I've can, I've got Trubin, so I'm kind of like similar to what I was kind of mentioning earlier. Some players I'm just unlikely to sell very many opportunities, if you know what I mean. So 
I've sold a Vandiver or two for money. I've sold a Lafont or two for money. You know, a, a few of these under 23 guys wouldn't have been um, well-priced in the market and whatever, but Trubin's always the one I've kept on with. So with uh, the likes of him, Frimpong, Wurtz, Savio, under 23s I get are kind of by accident. So I kind of like having it as an option, like for some of these cards, like having that eligibility open to them. So it's like, okay, well, I actually fancy the five I could cobble together this week because... I was watching Harry Trades' opening at the weekend, um, the midweek, or it was like, it was opening on Tuesday from the weekend, you know, and he finished fourth and under 23. And the guy that was on the podium in front of him had Josip Stanisic in it, defender, because obviously he was covering in Leverkusen for the guys that went to AFCON. Yeah. And that's the kind of thing that happens, that, you know, that's kind of different in a little respect because those guys are away in international duty. But those kind of things happen in under 23 every week. There's a random defender in Austria that does 92 that somebody had in their team along with their Veerman and their yeah. own Lang or whatever, I don't know, you know, yeah. um, and whoever's popping off their Vinnies. So um, I think uh, under 23 always has that random opportunity where you don't need to have, like if you have five absolute smashing studs of cards, then you can go into it with a lot of confidence. But if you've got like two, three guys that are like really good and then you've got one or two other guys that you just fancy that weekend, but they are good, maybe the fixture's in their favour, their form has been coming up recently, then under 23 is a division that I think you can have a shot at in that regard, you know? Definitely. I think I'd agree with that, but I just think at the moment, I wonder how many of the, I wonder how many of the sort of like U23 smasher cards are just like not being used there by the owners and they're being put into cap modes, all-star. Um, yeah, I'd love to hear from more. Uh, it's hard to imagine a lot of the Champ Euro ones are hitting that because, like, me and Laird were talking about this on the preview show, but, like, Bellingham is probably hardly ever used in under-23 for the most part, you know. Um, so I think, like, and that's always the situation I've had with Wurtz where I didn't, I've never cared that Wurtz is under-23, you know. I would always just have him anyway. I quite regularly have played him outside of under-23. And I, it's just that level of guy. I think the Bellingham, Wurtz maybe isn't there at the moment, you know. But, yeah. like, you You've been using O'Reilly and Veerman and All-Star very often yeah. because they're just above the age group. You know, they're just the best cards in the game-ish, regardless of their age or or whatever. So um, I don't think, I, I see yeah, those cards, they're just, way, they're way more thinly spread across divisions than I think uh, some of the other 23, like Vinny's. Vinny's are probably, oh, I don't know, Vinny's probably a good example, I suppose, because Real Madrid stacks and whatever champ. It's always good to win cards, but you know what I mean? Like Veerman, there's probably not that many Veermans in Challenger, you know, for yeah. instance, compared to like under 23. Under 23 is probably the most common place to find a Veerman or an O'Reilly for the most part, I suppose. But well, It was last season. Ve Veerman's like, aged out this year, but yeah, definitely last season. He was always uh, in, in U23, I found. Like in, in pro, obviously, he was overpowered because I had the super rare and there wasn't many of them floating about um, because of moves he'd made and stuff like that. But... I'm just going to have a quick look now and just compare the impact players tab on uh, so rare data from last weekend. So obviously it was a really high scoring champ Euro week. So I just, I'm just going to have a little look at like, you mentioned verts, you mentioned um, uh, obviously um, Bellingham. So if I go into U23 rare versus champ Euro rare, um, the, the most used uh, or the highest sort of impact player, in U23 rare was uh, Verts, um, slowly, closely followed by Gertruida, Costa. I think like goalkeepers, you're all, you know, goalkeepers are a bit different. You're, you're going to avoid using your U23 goalkeeper in champ. 
because it's a bit un- unnecessary unless you've you know unless they play for like a you're better off using like a Neuer or something like that, right? Um, Musiala, 71 uses in U23 rare. If I go into Champ Euro, I just wonder how far down I have to scroll to find, um, you know, those those same players. And actually, hold on, that's a different game week. 441, sorry, bear with me. Champ Euro rare. How many, I wonder how many verts and like we have there. So I'm just going to try and spot a U23 smasher. And actually it does look like vert. So in, in comparison, verts used in champ Euro rare last weekend, 38 versus 70 odd in U23. So people who hold like, you know, the Musialas and the verts is are still using them. Musiala 71 in uh, rare U23 versus 41 in champ. So that tells us that, you know, people who hold those kind of like high, what would you call it? Like potential, high potential scorers are still using them in U23, which I guess is probably partly why the uh, sentiment is what it is, I guess, for that prize pool, because if you've got those potential high scorers um, who can, you know, put a shift in for champ prizes, mm-hmm. which for the most part, I think the champ Euro pool prizes seem to Bellingham. deliver. Yeah, I'm just looking for Bellingham. I mean, in champ rare, let's have a look if I can find Bellingham. Bellingham, so 27 used in champ. Um, and how many are used? Only 40 in uh, U23 rare. That's interesting. I wonder if that would change in pro. Let's have a look in rare plus and see if anything changes there. Um, Yeah, it's just loading up now. So if we look at the same metric in rare plus, you're seeing uh, 24 Bellinghams used in U23. And in Champ, it doesn't look like there's any. Wait, it's not finding any. So there wasn't a single use last weekend of Jude Bellingham in the Champ Rare Plus. That's interesting. What does that tell you? What can you take from that? The fact that there's not a single Jude Bellingham being used in Champ Euro Rare Plus. I'll probably change this weekend <laughs> if anyone listens to this podcast. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's true. Because <laughs> very much I've got Almeida this weekend, I think. So it's uh, a Jude 100 this weekend. The most used uh, card in Champ Euro Rare Plus is Kimmich um, and Mbappe. So yeah, that's probably the rare mid option, isn't it? It's Kimmich over Bellingham and then it's super rares around it. Yeah. So you're not getting the two rare mids. If you're picking a Kimmich, you're probably keeping the Bellingham for the under-23s if you're able to play both of these guys and that's your decision you're making. Interesting. Learn something new. This is what I think, what, you know, we were talking a little bit about what where to put your cards and stuff like this. I, I think this is an underrated thing that people uh, maybe overlook a little bit when it comes to selection. It's really interesting to look at, like, if you have one of those, like, high-value cards 
trying to put it in a tournament where you're not going to come up against someone else with the same card who might have better XP. It, it it's underrated how much that can help push you up in the uh, in the prize pools and it, you know had me looking at cap two seventy as a potential for my buy end players this weekend. But I think because their scores are so high in their L fifteen, make they it makes it hard to put them all in one cap mode. Even two seventy, you know, I struggle um, without using like a DMP player somewhere. Or you know, if, you've, if you're fortunate enough to have a player coming back from injury who's expected to start, then you're laughing. But in my case, I think the closest thing I got to that at the moment is Van der Beek, who uh, you know is is L fifteen is like thirty five, but he played last week. Um, for Frankfurt, and he he didn't smash it. Let's say that you know he, I think he put up a score of like thirty eight. So you're not really getting that much purchase on that L fifteen. But if if he was likely to start smashing, you know, if he was on sets and corners, and you know, puts himself in the box, and who knows, you know, if this weekend he puts up an eighty, he'll look really good for like the next sort of cap cap modes, and that might open up a little bit more. But but yeah, really interesting to look at that. Um, and yeah, for me, especially interesting looking at Rare Plus and just seeing how how many, particularly Kimmich, is used in that in that division versus Rare. I mean, that for, for someone who now holds a Kimmich, that's making me think, oh, you know, maybe I'm better off using him in Champ, in All-Star, sorry, rather than in Champ, because it looks like a lot of his supplies in there. Um Nanzo Scoop says, if you have a deep gallery, you're likely to use a player like Cruz in Champ and Bellingham in U23. Yeah, and I guess it depends on like what your what, what your focus is, isn't it? Because I think one thing that Champ has over U23 is cash rewards. It has it pays out in the top thirty places, I think. So, um, I think that's another factor. But yeah, really interesting to see that no Bellingham are used in rare plus. Really, I'm actually shocked about that surely there's an issue maybe there's a bug on the website there's got to have been someone using him there's got to have been someone um he's used you know he's he's used a lot in u23 rare plus though yeah. just not, not champ interesting yeah yeah we'll, we'll keep we'll keep tabs on that the weekend to come uh quinny i think we kind of touched on it a little bit earlier but the big kind of news since we last uh convened here is we've had a full-blown launch of so rare rivals um we haven't got into the you know like the the crux of it yet have you been playing it much uh, have you found it do you think it's something that you're going to continue playing and um yeah what you kind of like what's your take on it so far i think it's really good i'm really interested to see how big these win streaks can go but in terms of end products you know i've seen some people get to threes and i think some people are trying to still get that fifth one i think it's, it's quite a hard thing i suppose to, to knock together but um, I'm quite excited to to have a good go at it. I've not really... Uh, so I played it at the weekend. I mentioned we did a kind of prime time. It's what I called the stream kind of watch-along thing. We had three games on, all kicked off at half five. And um, it was like Man City. Who were Man City playing? Was it Newcastle or Tottenham? Um, oh, I'm losing my mind now. Who were Man City was, playing? It was Newcastle, right? Because they were... Was they it Newcastle? Mind, yeah, right? it was Newcastle, yeah. And then we had, I think, Sociedad on one of the gate on one of the tellies, and we had, um, oh, I forget the other one now. It was a German match, Dortmund, maybe, yeah, Dortmund and Darmstadt. Hmm. So we had like a lot of different things on the go. And actually, I was listening to Laird and the guys on Data talking about, uh, you know, 
the common card thing and all the rest of it. Now, I don't know if that's a patch that's happened since last weekend, right? But last weekend, I played those three games, right? The Sociedad match, I was covered in super rares, like for the team I was picking. And I was matched up with somebody, I think they had a couple of rares. And the Man City game, I had two rares. And I think I was matched up with someone kind of similar. But in the Dortmund game, I had five commons. And do you know who I was paired up against? Somebody with two limiteds. So it didn't really, mm. like, hide you. So that may be a wee patch or something that's happened. So I'll be interested to see if that is the case. But one thing that was really good when we were doing the stream, I'll be doing much more of them. I was looking at the weekend. It's actually a nightmare trying to plan when is prime time at the weekend because the fixtures in terms of kickoff times are all over the place. Yeah. But what I think is going to be something that I'm going to be trying to do for some end product on this is, like, Whenever I am cramming football in, because I think if you play so rare, there's maybe a wee window in the weekend where you're like, right, I'm going to watch this game and I'll maybe pay attention on my phone to this game or maybe turn your laptop on as well as your telly, whatever you get up to, to multi-screen. But I think most so rare players probably get a little chance on that. And that's really what I want to try and focus in on spending my arena tickets and trying to get the win streaks in because I know some people are just going for the whole, you know, get the lineup in, pick five, just yeah. run it and hopefully you get a bit of luck and go for it. But I think for me that you know, it'll work for somebody, it'll work for some people or whatever, I don't know, but it's not going to be me. Uh, I'm going to try and get my wins, you know, like I'm going to, I'm going to know, <laughs> I'm going to know I've got a good chance of, Yeah. You know, I can see the team, I know the fixture, I'm coming into the weekend ready for it in that respect, I'm just waiting for the team to come out and then, oh, I see their team as well. Maybe you're listening to some of the analysis on the telly, maybe you're in the live stream with me or whatever, I don't know, but um, I think that's the time to play it and go for it, you know, because when I've done my little Rivals videos, are, I think they'll mainly be out on like Friday or whatever. Not that anyone who's probably listening to this podcast probably cares too much. But it's like, for me, it's the game for people that are watching the match. You know, if you're watching the match, this is the game to be, you know, just have yeah. on your phone when you're chilling out with it, chatting with it, or being mad about it like we are, you know, kind of thing. So, um, because for the Man City game, Ederson gets subbed off in the first 10 minutes. Yeah. We were all over that. But that was actually a fantastic dynamic that shook out because he left the pitch on 30 points, right? Ortega Moreno came onto the pitch with 25. And then as the game shakes out, there's lots of goals conceded. So Dubravka ends up on 42 points, even <laughs> though, you know, they're not on the good end of the result here. Ortega ended on 27 and Ederson finished on 30 because <laughs> he didn't concede any of the goals, you know, because he was off yeah. by that point. So um, there's lots of, I think watching the game is just going to be the difference between sometimes some of those games, especially the high profile ones, um, yeah. where other people will be reacting. If you can be one of the guys that reacts, you're going to be yeah, getting a win, maybe. Talking about that game particularly, I was watching that and I had a bit of rivals action going on as well. And so when that actually happened and Edison come off injured, I don't know about you, but I was trying to figure out, right, can I make a substitution then? Can I bring on Ortega in the hope that, you know, like he keeps the clean sheet because then he'll outscore thing. But the way it looks to me, correct me if I'm wrong, is you cannot make a substitution for a player that's dropped once they're in the field. Yeah, you can only do it like preemptively. Like you, you're taking a gamble on. You need to see he's about to. You can't have the notification. Yeah. If you get the notification, it's too late. That's you need it. to see Ederson. They're doing this. <laughs> they're doing yeah. this. They're doing this, guys. They're doing this. Get him done. Sub, sub, right. sub. That was it. I made a substitute. I made a good substitution in that game. I had Kovacic playing, who was actually scoring okay, but at the time. Um, you know, De Bruyne is warming up, warming up on the sidelines. I'm like, 
do you know what? If De Bruyne comes in for half an hour, I think he outscored the 38 that I think Kovacic was on at the time. I don't know what Kovacic finished on in the end, but obviously I made the substitution. So you kind of sacrifice the 38 odd points or whatever it is and any of the passes that go towards the bonus, I think, right? So I think I had Tiki Taka as the like bonus, like the, the booster. So when I subbed out Kovacic, I'm pretty sure you lose the points he scored and... I'd imagine I didn't. I'm not sure of this, but I'd imagine you lose the passes he's made as well towards your uh, your bonus. So I put myself behind in my arena match at that point. But then obviously De Bruyne came on and smashed it and um, managed to. I think I still lost the arena in in the end slightly. But um, but yeah, I think one one of the things that maybe isn't that the, the substitution side of it is a little bit under. Um, explained i think that there should be a little bit more um content or explanation around how and when you can use substitutions or just they should just scrap it all together and people should just be like right if you want to put de bruyne on your team put him in but know that he's starting on the bench and just accept that you know you're 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 gambling with a player scoring a zero unless they come in like um so yeah i guess that that's the point right you're trying to watch the game you're trying to pick out a substitution you've got to try and beat it um so that needs to be maybe um communicated a little bit more the other thing was tactics let's talk about the tactics side of it we have options of i believe is it five different sort of tactics let me just go into rivals and remind myself exactly i think the tactics um, really do put pressure on you to have a real think about how the game is going to knock out definitely. you know like well, your guys, like one contest is one of my favourite ones because when the beta, I had a lot of success with picking wingers and just doing mm. the, the Jogger Benito because if you can get two wingers into your team and a fullback that like, <laughs> likes a bit of it as well, then um, a couple of dribbles each over the match, it's not, you know, it's yeah. not that mad to imagine, for example. Um, so I think you really need to know, you'll have a sense of the players that you're picking, like, oh, this guy's a winger, a fullback, a centre mid. But even the match, will the opponent give them space to run into or... Is this going to be a mad duel fest where they're going to be much more, you know, everyone's in the middle of the pitch, shoulder to shoulder, the ball's turning over all the time. Um, or, you know, depending on what cards you're picking, maybe you're picking limiteds and rares. You're picking a bit of an underdog, a differential because you own them. Are you picking yeah. the effective clearance thing? Are they backs against the wall? I don't see anyone picking that effective clearance thing very no. often, if ever, to be honest with you. But I think yeah. you really need to know how the game's going to actually pan out. Definitely. I think, like you said, I think I was talking to your fair about that. The clearance one is a bit of a weird one, isn't it? Because I think the only time you're going to back a team to clear the ball a lot is when you're backing a team that are like defending for their lives the whole game. And in which case, why would you back the team that is likely to be defending for their lives? Right? The idea tactically behind this is you back the team you think is going to win or you back the team or, or you back the players if it's going to be a tight, well-contested game. You think, right. Which which midfielders are going to win the most duels? Which defenders are going to win the most duels? You know who might keep a clean sheet if it's going to be close. Um, you know, I'm looking like now while I'm sort of talking about this, I'm looking at the Ivory Coast Nigeria game, which is coming up, and that is a game where I think you can pick a mix of the two because it could be goals from both sides. You know, home nation uh, versus like some of the best players in the tournament, and that is a game where maybe there'll be a lot more differential between you know, who, whereas most of the time, if you pick the right team, 
and you pick the right players, you, you're going to win most of your, your matchups. But in a game like this, where I think like they, there'll be a little bit more differential between people's um, selections, it could be uh, a little bit more of an interesting uh, or hard. I think you go into the fixtures knowing, oh, you know, like everyone's picked this lineup. Everyone's going to go heavy Morocco. Everyone's going to go heavy this or whatever. So I think it's, um, I think it's an interesting product. I like it. But yeah, I think that some of those tactics are almost like, you, when when will you ever pick uh, Park the Bus or something like that, right? It's um, it's hard. But like you said, you need to know, you need to be watching the game. You need to kind of have a bit of foresight. Maybe if it's a team that you watch, you know. But it, the thing, one of the things since the beta where I might be wrong, I'm pretty sure I never saw it during the beta, but when you do select your tactic, it kind of gives you an overview of like the average and I think that's really useful. I don't know what the average is, but is it average on L15, L5? It always feels low to me because I'll watch, look at it and I'll be like, my team is going to outperform that 100% every time. I'm like, 90% of the time I pick jewels and it'll be like, I'll get told that like, oh, you know, on average your team puts up like five jewels one. And you're like, no chance. They're going to they're gonna make 12 at least. And um and yeah, so like that's been playing in a little bit, but I think that's help. That helps, isn't it? If this is the game that helps people figure out how to score and what things score what, then it does that definitely. Um, yeah. One other thing I will mention because you you touched on it as well is I'm actually almost actively avoiding putting any of my pro cards into my lineup. So I don't know about you, but it's yeah. like the times I do, I'm just getting matched up with people who've got like five limiteds, or and like if I've only got one rare. Playing against a team of five limiteds is almost impossible. Um, so I think they need to find the sweet spot for that because if the point of this is to try and entice people into buying pro cards, then you need to make them playable. And at the moment, it's like, I don't want to compete with someone who's got a full lineup of pro cards. I, I just... Yeah, but I, I don't really buy into that either because I think, again, still, when it is mano a mano, head to head, from the little I've played it, played it a bit more in the beta, but you still need to have the best five guys, you know. Yeah, the tactics definitely. do play a big part in it. The tactics are probably the most understated part of it all. But I don't think the, like, going common versus common versus someone, like, then the only differential really is probably the tactics because you probably get the same captain as well. And, yeah. uh, you know, it is just then, what did you pick for your tactics? If it is that, that case, if it is anything goes, all the rest. So, like, I know people are scared of bumping into people with supers and uniques and all the rest of it, but... I've made decisions in pro already when I'm picking these guys and I know yeah. they're not the best shout, but I'm going to anyway because the bonus might make up for it. It might even make the difference overall. Um, and that, that suboptimal decision-making that will come into more people's play, I think gives you more opportunity than not if you can if you can stay a wee bit more sober to it and pick the forward you should pick and not the forward you own um, kind of thing and actually play it. That's one thing I've really enjoyed with, uh, I forget what match it was, but... So you've been able to have like the full stack and go, oh, brilliant. I know they're just yeah. going to rinse this team and like, let's just see who I get paired up with. Maybe I've got a few of the cards already, but the cards I don't own, I can add into it and go, wow, this is a, this is a power stack. I can see this kicking, you know? So I don't yeah. buy that personally. Yeah, I think I had like maybe one fixture where I had a full lineup of uh, cards, but it was mixed between the two teams. It wasn't like a full stack, but um, yeah. I mean, I, I found with some... I think I was one of the games I had uh, Senegal versus Gambia and I had like Koulibaly rare, but on the other side I had a uh, Collie super rare. And I thought 
I could put this Collie Super area in thinking that that might be better than just playing a common from the Senegalese team. And it turns out it was a bad move because I got then paired with people who've got four stacks of of, of players. And uh, so, yeah, like it might be a backwards tactic, but I've been actively telling people to avoid uh, putting any of your pro cards in at the moment. If you're trying to win on a streak, just pick the best players. So unless you unless your card is... By the way, sorry to interrupt you there, but i just seen something in the chat saying, I think the streak rewards have gone. And I just went to look and I don't see the B bar for it on the screen anymore interesting so it was before it would have been in um like your your my club and then rival history rivals history okay i was looking at um where is it oh, it seems to have gone yeah uh you know like your manager uh score or your level or whatever it is are there okay see rivals history so mine still says win so I've got to win one more to claim a rivals box for three consecutive matches. I don't have a I don't have an open claim, but it, it says two out of three, so I can still win a third one. But then maybe beyond that, um, yeah, I don't know. Interesting. I have to keep an eye on that later then, because if I do win another, if I do win my next arena match, then I should be able to but um someone else in the chat saying it's in missions now in rivals missions tab got you i can't see the missions tab challenges challenges maybe i'm in challenges and if i go into like tactician yeah. let's have a look oh yeah so if i go into the unrivaled tab on challenges my manager thing it's like um one to watch apprentice let's see tactician Common Pro Limited. Where is it then? Beginner, unrivaled. It rivals reputations. Uh, yeah, I can't see. Yeah, but I'm in rivals history. It's not there for me. Good form. Win three consecutive arena matches. If I go into that, it just says there. But yeah, if I look at it on the rivals side, it still looks like I've got a claim potentially. But they're in, yeah, That'd be interesting then. So if I, I need to try and make sure I win the next uh, arena award and then can figure out if uh, if it's still going to work or not then. But that's interesting. Um, I wonder why, if that is the case. I wonder if they think people are botting it or something like that. I don't know. But yeah, I mean, I'd like to see some stats on it. It'd be really interesting to see how many sort of new users they've signed up who come to play. And then obviously the next one is like how many of them are buying card rewards. But one thing I will say is I looked at a couple of cards on the market today. Um, I was listening. Ah, uh, I found the rivals tab. Uh, you got it. Yeah. Tab. I found it. It's just moved. Uh. Yeah. So in the marketplace at the moment, I've noticed um, that a few of the cards I was looking at, they're kind of like current price and stuff like that. Quite a few of the cards or the players cards on their tab said um, that people have been buying them in the, you know, like the instant buy. I hadn't seen that for a little while. So I wonder if um, there's been an up uptick in instant purchases from people who are new to the game, who are coming into it from rivals, because every time you submit a team, it gives you that option to like up upgrade, doesn't it? And I wonder if, uh, I wonder what they're kind of like, uh, what would you call that? Conversion, the conversion rate of new user to like paying user. I wonder if it's helping. Be really interested to see some figures on that. Whether or not we'll get them, I'm, you know, I'm skeptical. But 
I'd love to see that. I don't know about you. Yeah. Be really interesting. They did a little cosmetic update on the club as well, uh, where you can like change free stats that become that appear on your manager ID. And I think they're probably three of the worst things they could have. That they're all terrible. Like, it's all oh, right. Like, I see it now. My, my like, statistics. You yeah. Can so you click the edit things. button at the top right there, and then you'll see the three. It says my statistics, and there's three drop down menus. They're all yeah, kind of rubbish. It's quite rivals intense, and for me, I've not been playing that much, so there's not much to brag about yet. But otherwise, it's like cards owned and cards won. Score. Collection score, like total amount combined, obviously. Follow yeah, like, reputation, win streak, games played. I'd I'd like to. I want podiums. Like I want trophies. Yeah, that's what I was gonna say. What you about you? I mean? where's, where's my where's my trophies? Where's my gold trophies, silver trophies, First places, bronze? second places, something like that's that. Want, yeah, top fifty, first, and third, top one hundred. Exactly that. Yeah, yeah. That is random. Cards won. Games played. That's obviously rivals. Highest reputation. Signed up. I mean, that's probably the most interesting one I've got. Signed up. But that, all that, that information is just above it. See if you look at the other information on your manager ID. The sign yeah. update is already there. Yeah. So is your followers, and so is something else. There's like three things that are already on it. Very strange. Or is it two? Maybe that's more like they've just updated the sort of user interface, but they need to give us more options than that i mean I, I i just want gold silver and bronze rewards probably or i even like no but, but that's not for everyone but like how many times have you finished the top 100 and all-star yeah. or whatever or most know. played competition stuff like that like where, yeah. where you, you know most most likely to play like every division maybe like a top like a wee marker for every division like how many times you've broke the top if it's limited well, yeah. to a thousand i don't know. um yeah i i don't qualify for a collection uh score like badge so i met for me it might be like a uh, highest collection bonus like club in my case i think it would be like betis or something like that like just like i'm surprised there's nothing like that like you know what club are you do you have the most cards of or yeah that kind of thing yeah even things like uh let's have a look you know like oh no your social media is still there i'm seeing that now Signed up followers, cards owned. Yeah, really unusual. Yeah, I'm sure that'll I'm sure that'll get tweaked. Goalkeepers one for, for me. Yeah. Snake Hip says uh, I should have a goalkeepers one stat. Uh, I that'd be quite an interesting one. I'm I, I know it's a lot. I know it's definitely a lot. But um yeah, as we said, don't I don't mind winning a goalkeeper if it means I can cash in on them or if it opens up a new tournament like Quinny's did. So, yeah, I'll take a super air goalkeeper win. I don't think I've had one of those just yet. Maybe that's a, maybe that's the 2024 aim for me. Win a super air goalkeeper. But um, on the subject of super air rewards, I mean, they've been um, lambasted online, haven't they? Seen some really weird uh, rewards in, in the super air divisions at the moment. People are getting a little bit peeved with, uh, with that. It's kind of put me off a little bit, um, if I'm honest, entering the super rare divisions. But I do enjoy winning a super rare because you know you've got that that scarcity. And on the subject of super rares, one Nicholas Kuhn, talk to me, Quinny. Is he going to be a superstar for Celtic, or is he someone I need to sell the hype on? Uh, if I was you, me, I'd I'd hang on to that probably quite tightly, especially having that O'Reilly in your club as well, both under twenty three. Mm. You've got the forwards, Kuhn, as well, don't you? Yeah. 
does have forwards and mids. I don't know what the difference will be. Mids uh, forward probably better. He's going to be. I think he's going to be taking over for a badder. I did a video on the Celts are here channel about where I think he kind of comes into the squad and all that kind of thing. So if anyone's into a more detailed kind of breakdown, feel free to check that out. But I think he comes in. Depends how good he is if he stays in, right? But I think he'll come in to replace a badder. I think we're now probably looking to sell a badder this window. There was a rumor about a week ago that we're trying to loan him in this window because no one was willing to buy him, like mm. obligation or loan with a buy clause or something. So I think a badder will go. And I think Kuhn's going to come in in his place. Uh, and that's the idea. I think that's the idea, certainly, anyway. This whole Israel-Palestine thing, and, you know, I'm not going to go into that, but, like, there's no way a badder stays at Celtic for me. It's mm. the club and everyone else around the club is trying to kid on, I think, that they can keep him for the rest of the season. It's just not going to happen. Like, I don't see it. We'll see what happens. You know, what do I know? But, like, I just don't see it. So I think Kuhn is in a great position, mate, for a January transfer. It's a great one that you've landed on. Like, you won him a few months ago, I think. And yeah, and Juma is moving to Leon. You know, it's a good wee. You know, that's the thing, like you say with the supers. Like if you if you can ride a January window well, like some of these tier threes or tier fours can be worth hanging on to. I've, I've been uh, sort of like going into the Sora base website. Um, I don't know what Kuma would have been. Maybe even a tier two, depending on when you won him. He's had yeah, I think he was. He was he was quite useful. It was good for me because I kind of needed. Uh, a challenger forward option there. I was like running a bit thin when Russia had stopped, if I remember rightly, it was around that time. Yeah. And um, yeah, he put up some decent scores and then he's gone a little bit cold in the last couple of fixtures. And then obviously they had the winter break. So the move to Celtic also means that I get use of him a bit quicker as well. So yeah, it was, I actually had him listed when like that first you know, bit of news came away. You messaged me, didn't you? You were like, and then I thought straight away, I'm like, take him down. Cause I think I had him listed for like 300 quid, which, you know, it's probably an an it was. I don't know what money, yeah. but quarter of an evening. It was like, yeah, it was a. It, he's probably worth a bit more now that 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 move's gone ahead. But I do think at the moment he's more of a hold than a sell for me, based on what I've seen and read. Um, and obviously, nice to hear you kind of agree with that. And McBride's messaged me about him and stuff like that. So yeah, I think uh, quite excited to see if he becomes a, a fruit bearer for for the gallery. But um, I've been using the SoRareBase uh, website, SoRareBase.football, and you can search for your manager name. And then if you go into, like, the Mercato tab, you can see any moves that your players have made. And uh, so he's was just made, like, official on the SoRare platform nice. on the 16th. Um, but, yeah, like, talking of, like, you know, like some of those transfers, you can ride the wave. It's quite good to look back at, like, what cards in your gallery you might have completely missed. Um, a really nice one. I'm going to pick a couple out here from mine. Uh, one that kind of went under the radar for me was um, Mohamed Ali Cho, who moved from Sociedad to OGC Nice. I think that's a really interesting um, potential move for my gallery. He was a card I picked up because I like the look of him. Um, you know, he shows a lot of promise. But I think that maybe he just wasn't going to break it through into that Sociedad, Sociedad side anytime soon. Um, so keen to see if he can make uh, the grade at Nice. Um, so they are going to be watching that um, quite closely. It'd be nice to see if his scores pick up. But another really interesting one for me was uh, Kamil Piatkowski moving from Salzburg to Granada. I think that's a good move. Um, he's already gone straight into the starting lineup last weekend and put up, you know, one of his regular kind of like 60 plus defensive scores. So hoping that he becomes really useful for U23. Um Really been surprised that he didn't get the kind of like the 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 run of the draw at Salzburg. He's always done well when they've um, 
you know, they've had injuries and he's, he's had to fill in. But um, I think he wanted to leave last season. He wanted to stay at Ghent and they wouldn't let him. So him at Granada, to see him in there, um, putting up a big score in his first game, really nice to see. Another one that really went under the radar, though. I'm not sure if this is probably a really bad move for SO5. But um, Lataro Gianetti from Velez to Udinese was a really random one for me. That one, just out of nowhere. He just I was doing my lineup builder and it was like, why is he available this week? And then I noticed he'd moved clubs and he's gone he's gone to Italy. So it'd be interesting to see if he becomes of any use to me. But Quinny, have you had any like random, unexpected moves in your gallery? Well, I wouldn't say it's in my gallery, but as soon as I seen it happening, I jumped on it. Um I got myself a Timo Werner super rare for mm. about a quarter of an Ethereum as well. As soon as I seen that it was going to be joining Ange, like I'm a huge Timo Werner fan, as maybe some regular followers will know. And obviously Ange, I know Ange Ball, I know both of them very well, and I just see it being an absolute hit. So as soon as I seen that being a rumor that was come, like looking likely, I just mm. uh, I just took the plunge with it. So that's one that springs to mind, but I wouldn't really say it's within the gallery as such. Um, and I don't, yeah, I don't really think other than obviously we mentioned the Dan Juma thing. I don't think I've got any like like proper like legacy Barcelona cards that have like moved in this or are going to move in this window particularly to be honest with you i think yeah it's just some of those kind of newer guys those newer faces can maybe get a wee bit of traction around them actually it looks like this morning that daichi kamada is going to be leaving lazio on loan for galatasaray would oh, you well. believe so um maybe that happens maybe that's fun for me but um yeah there's nothing else really that i don't think has happened for me this window yeah, the only other ones I can see are like a couple of my sort of um, bench warmers that have moved uh, to uncovered teams on loan. So I've got Calvin Ratzi, who is the U21 uh, Dutch goalkeeper. He's gone to play uh, for Roda JC, who are riding high in the second tier of Dutch football. So, you know, who knows? He might, uh, if he does well there, he might get himself a permanent move. And if hopefully they get, um, they might get, get, um, promoted at the end of the season so there's that and then other than that i've seen like fabio blanco who i like backed massively when he was when he moved to frankfurt from barcelona and then back um oh sorry he moved um from uh las palmas i think if i remember rightly anyway long story short he went to villarreal b in the closed season and i was like i'm getting on this kid he looks like a wonder kid he should do really well in the second tier of spanish football and he's just not. I think he's come off the bench once all season. Um, so they've they've loaned him out to the third tier. Um, so, but it's only a loan. So I'll be keeping an eye on. So hopefully he gets some minutes. But yeah, interesting. Obviously Sancho as well. We obviously know he's made a move. I've still got him in my gallery. Um, so I'll be hoping he does well. Be interesting to see if he can cement his place in the starting lineup. But I think for the next few weeks we expect him to be coming in off the bench, getting him match fit, and kind of reintegrating him that way so i think he might be a really useful card especially for u23 as a forward um in the coming weeks if that looks like a viable option obviously we've spoken about that earlier but um yeah keen for all these uh leagues to start opening back up super keen for j league and k league to start again next month um last week of the european winter break and then we get into the the spring of just madness you know so it's a uh, yeah, it's a nice week and our last portion of, I know it's the first episode of the podcast we've done for 2024. I'd probably say Happy New Year to everyone else at this point since we didn't do it at the beginning. But like, yeah, yeah, yeah. 
I think, yeah, <laughs> we're coming out of that kind of slumber and like, I've got a couple of teams going out this weekend, so do you. I know a lot of the regular viewers of the and viewers and listeners of the show got lots of cards in Asia and America and lots of these other places and along with rivals as well because uh, it's going to be covering all these games as well. It'll be really interesting to see uh, just how mad it does get through February, March, April, May, that kind of four-month window of everything being to play for in every division. So, yeah. Nice kind of end to the winter break with some of these January moves. Uh, I also had another one in my gallery there that is uh, one I bought on a move, which I've not really been buying transfer rumours outside of Celtic for a few years, so I've had a bit of fun with this one, but uh, Geraldo Becker has moved from Union Berlin to Real Sociedad, and as soon as I seen that, I got mad hyped about that, and picked up uh, his rare, his rare was really cheap, there wasn't any cheap super rares, but as soon as I seen that, I just thought, this is like them finally replacing Alexander Isak properly tried to get a few forwards into that team and none of them have really happened yet so uh i think becker's good and i think he'll at 28 coming from the bundesliga mm. i think he'll probably be a real la liga power forward there so uh just another one that was on my screen i thought i'd mention yeah it'd be really interesting to see who of these kind of like january transfers starts to really like heat things up right from the off and uh yeah for all we know we could have the next uh, so5 monster uh, on our hands somewhere fingers crossed for anyone who is holding that next monster um quinny it's, it's been a pleasure mate i think we've just just rolled over that hour mark which is always that kind of sweet spot isn't it so uh mate it's been a pleasure good luck uh the weekend and, you, and to all our listeners as well as you said like good luck everyone and we will and happy new year as quinny mentioned should have said that as well but uh yeah we'll, we'll see you all again same time same place uh, next week cheers everyone Oh.